We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. And do not repay evil with evil, insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. I want to talk to you about top ten marriage killers. Peter says that in all of our relationships, not only with our spouse, our children, in all our relationships with people, that we should not trade insult for insult. In other words, Christians ought to take the high road. I also realize that if you live with anybody for any period of time, if you have any kind of long relationship, I understand that we all have some arguments. We all have marriage disagreements. So let me check this out. If you are married, how many of you have had argued with your spouse today? <laughs> One thing I noted about most of you is that you're getting more and more honest. We all have our disagreements. My favorite fighting story is the guy who went to his buddy and he said, you know, my wife and I had a big fight last night. He said, well, tell me about how did it end up? He said, well, she came crawling to me on my hands and knees. The buddy said, wow, that's incredible. Tell me, what did she say? She said to me, get out from under that bed, you coward. I want to share with you an overview of the top ten marriage killers this morning. You can write these down in your sermon notes. You can talk about these. I would like to encourage you to go home and talk about these ten issues. Where you're strong at, where you're weak at, and how we can fix it. Spend some time this week communicating. Number one in your notes. First marriage killer. Overcommitment. That's just plain physical exhaustion. Many times marriages fall apart just because we're worn out. We're overcommitted. The pace of life, the pressures of life, the squeeze that life puts on us, the fact that in most homes both spouses usually have to work, the whole speed of life, as Paul said, about the world in his day, don't allow the world to squeeze you into its own mold. And if that was true in Paul's day, is doubly true of our day. Many times we're not operating out of our strength, rather we're operating out of our reserves. It simply is not enough to get along, get along. We all get pressured by life. But no one ever said, you know, in your notes on your death, deathbed, wish I'd spend more time at the office. A recent survey stated that even though we're living in a pressure-filled society, 43% of us are trying to spend more time with our spouse. Here's a piece of advice from Natasha Jezowitz. She writes, I have arrived. She does a good job. Listen to what she says. I've not seen the plays in town, only the computer printouts. I've not read the latest books, only the Wall Street Journal. I've not heard birds sing this year, only the ringing of the telephones. I've not taken a walk anywhere, but from the parking lot to my office. I've not shared a feeling in years. My thoughts are only known. I've not listened to my own needs. 
only to what I want. I have not shed a tear in ages, but I have arrived. But is this where I'm going? How true that can be, just being overcommitted. Number two in your notes, the second marriage killer, financial conflict. Many marriages fall apart because of finances, they get tight. Basically, there's just too much month at the end of each our money. We've all been there. Earl Wilson said one time, there are three classes of people, the haves, the have-nots, and thirdly in your notes, the have-not-paid-for-what-we-have. There's the story of a couple by the name of Herman and Mary. Mary's family, they had lots of money. Herman's family didn't have any. They got married. Mary had a tendency to goad Herman on the fact that she's the one who had all the money. They were out driving in their car one day. Mary said, if it weren't for me and my money, we wouldn't have this big nice car. Herman didn't say a thing. They pulled into their garage and got out of the car. Mary said, if it weren't for me, we wouldn't have this nice garage and nice house. Herman didn't say a thing. They walked into the living room. Mary noted all the new furniture they had. If it weren't for me and for my money, we wouldn't have this furniture. Herman didn't say anything. They walked into the family room. They had a big, beautiful entertainment center. And Mary said, if it weren't for me, we wouldn't have this entertainment center. Herman didn't say anything for a few moments. Finally, he couldn't take it anymore. And he said, sweetheart, if it weren't for your money, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> number one, overcommitment. Number two, financial conflict. And your notes, number three, the third marriage killer is selfishness. It is a fact that many marriages break up because selfish acts. You know, in dating, we often have a giving mindset. But too often in marriage, we have a getting mindset. In fact, there are two characteristics of maturity in marriage. In your notes, number one, that we are giving. We simply are generous in giving. But number two, we are also forgiving. We have the ability to quickly forgive our children, to forgive our spouse. These are two marks of a mature person. Dr. Carl Menninger says that the number one characteristic of a mature person is that they really find more satisfaction in giving than they do in receiving. How many times don't we find that before we get married, you just give and you give and you give, and all you want to do is please the other person. They have what we call other-mindedness. And as soon as the marriage begins, all of a sudden, instead of having a giving mindset, we get a receiving mindset. What can I get? What can I get out of this marriage? What can this person do for me and give to me? Number four in your notes. The fourth marriage killer is immaturity. Sometimes it's just a lack of maturity that causes marriages to fail. read the other day that this statement, the husband was talking to his counselor, and he said, basically, my wife is really immature. You know, I would be at home, I'd be in my bath, and she would come in and she would sink my boats. Is that real? Gail Van Buren said one time, maturity is the ability to stick with a job until it's finished to do a job without being supervised, 
to be able to carry dollars without spending them, to bear an injustice without trying to get even. So many times marriages fall apart because the husband and the wife lack maturity. In your notes number five, the fifth marriage killer is pride. Pride causes many marriages to fall apart. Peter Marshall used to be the chaplain at the U.S. Senate. He prayed this wonderful prayer one day about pride. He said in your notes, Lord, when we are wrong, make us willing to change. And when we're right, make us easy to live with. I love that prayer. How many times have you got into an argument with your spouse over that issue of pride? It's so hard to admit that we're wrong. That's nothing new. We've all been there. Men often have more, are more guilty here. Have you ever been lost? You're driving your car. You're lost. Pride rears this ugly head in the car. And your wife knows we're lost. She tells us we're lost. The kids know we're lost. God knows we are lost. And the people whose house we went past again know we're lost. But we dig in. Mark Twain said, temper is what gets us into trouble. But in your notes, pride. Pride is what keeps us there. How true. In your notes, number six, the sixth marriage killer is pettiness. Pettiness causes so many times to get in trouble. Pettiness is just a part of our human family. One of the worst wars ever, 900 years ago, on the continent of Europe, was literally over the fact that a well bucket was taken and war broke out. Pettiness. Do you realize that the 30 years war in Europe basically happened when a little boy threw a little stone at the monarch and they declared war? It lasted 30 years. Pettiness has been in the human family for many, many years. When it gets into the family, it wears it down. Pettiness is like dripping faucet. Love the story of the grandmother and the grandfather. They've been married for 50 years. Several friends had come to kind of uh, just celebrate the anniversary. They asked the grandmother, tell us the secret of your 50 years of successful marriage. She said, well, before I married this man, whom I married with for 50 years, I just sat down and I saw that he had some weaknesses and that I had some weaknesses. So I decided that I would overlook his top 10 faults. Someone said, what were they? She said, well, I never wrote them down. But when I went into the marriage, I said, I would overlook his top 10 faults. And whenever he did anything that was rather ridiculous, I would say to myself, lucky for him, that's on my list. What an incredible attitude, wonderful mindset to overlook faults. In your notes number seven, the seventh marriage killer, spiritual disobedience. When we disobey God, our marriage is going to be in trouble. Of all the things that we have noted, this is probably the most important. It's the closest to my heart. Because I believe that Christians should have the very best marriages, not because they have more rules and regulations, because they know Jesus. They personally have been forgiven by Jesus. And Jesus models for all of us unconditional love. Nothing makes me grieve more than to see Christian marriages in trouble. In your notes, found that the little proverb, those who go against the grain 
of God's will should not complain when they get splinters. In your notes, number eight, the eighth marriage killer, the inability to enjoy life. Marriage sometimes fall apart just because they get boring. Now, dating wasn't boring. Why is marriage boring? Very simply, in dating, we planned everything. We got excited about everything. When we went out, we went out to have fun. And some of you men out there have been married for 20 years. You stopped dating. You stopped dating your wife a long time ago. And to be honest, you've become boring. You wives can send me some thank you notes this week. Bill Cosby said, if you find humor in anything, you're going to survive it. Then there is the good direction for marriage in your notes. Don't take a trip, rather make a trip. You have to put some effort into your marriage. Some people have really to work very hard because it's a gift for some of you to be boring. It's a natural talent, so don't stop dating your spouse. In your notes number nine, the ninth marriage killer, unrealistic expectations. Very quickly, marriage fails because their expectations are ridiculously high. You see, nobody is perfect. Two newlyweds are on their honeymoon. The groom looks at his bride and says, now that we're married, I hope you won't be offended if I just point out some defects in your life. She said, oh, not at all, sweetheart. It's those very defects that kept me from getting a better husband. <laughs> in your notes, number 10, the 10th marriage killer, lack of intimacy. When a marriage lacks warmth, lacks closeness, lacks transparency, vulnerability, that marriage will fall apart. So you need intimate conversation, intimacy in day-to-day -day living. Marriage simply lack intimacy. Again, look at 1 Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil with evil, or insult with insult, but with blessing. That's powerful, because you give a blessing when insulted. Because to do this, you are called, so that you may inherit a blessing. So our job is not an eye for an eye, or a tooth for a tooth. Our job is to give a blessing. In summary, we know quickly three ingredients for intimacy. In your notes, number one, you be other-minded. You put your spouse before yourself. Number two, you trust. Trust is the foundation of any intimate relationship. When you disregard your marriage vows, when you are unfaithful, what you do more than anything else, you undermine trust. And trust is the glue that keeps a relationship together. Number one, other-minded. Number two, trust. And number three, is time. You need to give marriage time. You need to work on the husband and wife relationship, the husband and wife roles. In the midst of all other family activities, in the midst of mothering and fathering, the best mother for your children is really when you're being the best wife to their father. And the best father to your children is when you are the best husband to their mother. Don't put this list away. Top 10 marriage killers. Take them home. I would encourage you to talk about these 10 issues. Where are you strong? Where are you weak? How can we fix it? Amen.